I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Uh, I'm Jason, your host as always. And today we have uh, a guest from Discover Financial Services, uh, George Mitri. Uh, George and I have hung out a bit before, uh, but still getting to know each other here. So George, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do at Discover. Hi, Jason. Uh, good morning or good afternoon. Yeah, I, uh, I've been with Discover for uh, quite some time now. Uh, I founded the API program at Discover. And Discover is has changed a lot over the years and it's uh it's it's one of the best place to work in technology in the US and in in the UK as well. We have recently uh joined the Linux Foundation uh open source uh the FinOS uh, foundation again open source and it's a very exciting place to to work at it's uh and and the API making it even more exciting and uh, it's my passion at discover here. Uh, I do uh, run the uh, API center for enablement. And uh, with that, we do have external and internal APIs, right? So, um, for example, when you go with Discover Financial, uh, when you're checking out on Amazon and you find your cashback bonus reward to pay with your cashback bonus or your bonus balance and all that, that goes through the external APIs uh, from Discover. For example, when I have my Samsung phone here, if I'm adding my card to my Samsung, for example, that goes through an API to, for, for the Samsung Pay, for example, right? So there's that's the uh, the the external API as a financial service. We partner with a lot of merchants, a lot of B two B partnerships through APIs. It's very easy to partner with Discover. Differentiate itself as easy to partner with, differentiate from other competitors. That's quite uh, very large. Uh, and then on the internal APIs, we do have. A very large pro program of about 1500 APIs uh, and uh, microservices that uh, makes up the internal capabilities uh, within Discover. And uh, we can talk a lot about that, how we, we came about uh, managing and, and, and having that catalog and making sense out of that, out of that catalog. So that's, that's a quick, you know, uh, plug for what we do here at Discover. Very cool. Well, uh, I'll just say plainly, I think you're on the right podcast. Uh, this is yeah, talking shop on API governance is probably the most common thing we do here. Having done a bit of kind of time in fintech myself at uh, PayPal and Braintree, um, it's it's different, right? It's a little a little uptight compared to some other industries you could work in. So I guess I'm uh, curious, you know, in terms of setting up governance stuff, how much. How much of that effort goes into kind of the financial specifics? Uh, and, and I ask this in part because I know like there's a sweeping movement through fintech right now to sort of API-ify everything. Uh, and so I'm sure there's listeners who are curious, you know, how that scales out. Yeah, there's within the banking and financial industry, there's things are moving very fast. And uh, there's no question about that. And uh, uh, even though there's a lot of regulations and highly regulated uh, industry, but it's 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 the demand, the increased demand for 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 speed, and uh, that makes put more pressure on the API strategy and API programs, and and to be able to balance that right and um, and within the API program, security for example is is top top mind always, whether in internal or external security, 
And I'm sure it's with, with many other data. If you're dealing with customer data, you have to do that. But now with the extra scrutiny with the financial regulators and spend a lot of cycles with auditors and the feds and all that, that adds a lot more uh, scrutiny to, to, that, to those processes. But there's, uh, yeah, the, the demand is, is very high for being digital and being transparent about what we're doing within uh, our controls in, in the company. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that um, really opened my eyes at my time in kind of fintech was I feel like there was a lack of general understanding for folks getting into fintech that sort of the the risk and compliance factors of getting set up in every country, that is the mountain to climb that sort of new entrants go, well, we almost got the US figured out. It's like, you're just getting started. <laughs> um, but I'd imagine, you know, working in a, a sort of credit card company like this that that risk and compliance factor must be a, a, a lot of the time spent right and it's, it's a core capability for those global networks right like when we, we when you're you're already global you are already and have a footprint and accepting payment in all all those countries it, it makes it uh, a, a, a no-brainer for fintechs to partner with uh, that kind of scale uh, and apis are are really the way to partner uh, there's this the expectation now uh, is to where's your API? How how can I access this? Right, and and um, the best API would win, right? <laughs> and and that uh, you know if if if, if your API are, are are easy to use, are making sense, and exactly on what the partner wants, and easy to collaborate with, it, it becomes a no-brainer to scale and to to be able to uh, enter new markets uh, through those uh, API partnerships. Uh, we see that a lot in in, in some of those uh, expansions and. And the discussion with the with the fintechs, and and the other part of this is also uh, you you touched on it, Jason, earlier about you know how all the regulation and, and the pressure of the regulation is that we need to optimize the core, right, uh, in order to be able to go fast on the outside, on to, to to fast track the external. We gotta have our act together, right, within our internal capabilities being unlocked because it's layers of APIs, not just one API. You, you want to call it, that API, you're going to call another one, call another one, right? It's a chain kind of layers of, of uh, other capabilities that are aggregated together to mix up a solution, like a Lego pieces, put it together to, to build one solution. So it, it is uh, imperative to have an internal mature API management program, as well as t- that will feed into that external business growth and digital transformation. Yeah, I, I've always kind of described this as like, build your internal sort of microservice APIs as though you're preparing to externalize them, because you never know when that sort of partnership opportunity is going to pop up and, you know, some 60-day delivery window. If you have to go back and redesign everything to make it externalizable, you know, you're going to miss those opportunities. So. But I've noticed that in some of the stuff that you've published, you talk about sort of treating microservices and sort of APIs as a different thing. Uh, like maybe we're on a different perspective here. So I'd love to hear a little more about it. Yeah. So it goes back to the intention of, of the microservice uh, architecture when it was at its inception. Uh, the main investments into a microservice uh, uh, architecture was... Uh, the agility of the team and uh, getting rid of dependencies and making sure there's a bounded context and of uh, self-contained kind of service. Uh, so you can go fast when you need to change and you need, you know, all that. 
velocity of the team. That was the main goal. And that's kind of goes, I would say, like under the hood within the internal working of an application of a capability, right? Now, if we define microservice that way, this is within my own team, within my own application, how I'm going to put, you know, the engine here and, you know, with this plug here and this, you know, like this is very internal to my team and I can change anything in it without impacting anybody. No consumers kind of like outside my bounded context, my system domain, right? Then APIs comes along. We say those are our boundary APIs. Those are the one by contract. I'm going to keep it backward compatible. I'm, I'm going to notify you ahead of time. I'm going to manage, manage it in a different way. The investment there is more of a reuse. Now, with those APIs, the concept is to be able to reuse those APIs and, and externalize those capability to the outside world. So that's kind of the distinction we're drawing. There's two levels of management. Uh, and we have seen that a lot when we don't have that. You, you start to treat all APIs the same way in terms of scrutiny, uh, governance, uh, who need to approve, we need to look at, you know, all, all those different things. Uh, and, and team will start to push back, say, this, I'm doing this for my own self. I, you know, like I, I just within my, you know, this isn't, uh, and within my, there's an iceberg of, of API strategy. I, I differentiate between two disciplines. It's a multidisciplinary uh, strategy. There's the discipline of application architecture, which is the microservice, the breaking down, the right sizing of the components within my application or the modules within my application. That's an application architecture discipline. And then there is the the, the, the lifecycle management, the versioning, the you know, that's an API management discipline. For the life cycle, for the reuse, being uh, promoting reuse and promoting some kind of uh, a higher level kind of, uh, of enterprise level discipline, as opposed to the application architecture within my 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 application walls kind of thing. So that's that's where we so we do this I, distinction between. I'm the sure there are there are there are listeners though who would say like, why would you only optimize for reuse for externalizing things? Shouldn't your internal services also be sort of optimized for reuse? Reuse with a with a with a certain scope with with within the team. So, and because of the visit, they are in the catalog. So there's visibility into that. There is, could be some promotion to say, I started this as a microservice, but I will promote it to become, uh, but this on a selective basis. So be, not because of the 99% of the effort, I, you know, I, I can, you know, that 1% of the promotable, I don't want to bug down the, the, the management process and treat everybody with the same speed with the same lower speed, you know, so we can have a fast track for some of those APIs that we know for now, uh, we don't want to overinvest in them. And we know for now they, they, they need to go fast. Uh, and then when the time comes, because they're visible, we can come to them and, and make them external. As well, so it's like a balance. It's always a trade-off within uh, those decisions. What are you optimizing for? Uh, so we want to optimize for reuse and also for uh, self uh, kind of contain speed within the team. So if you want to do both, you got to have two layers of management. And also with the newer modern technology with the service mesh and the ingress gateways and all that, it starts, the infrastructure starts to start to reflect that as well. Within the east-west versus the north-south traffic, you start to manage, you know, when you classify them that way, you could assign security policies and network policies differently as well. So from a design time, the, the approval process is different. And then from the runtime also could be the, the, the network policies and the, the, 
security mechanism could be mapping some of the infrastructure technology, native technologies as well. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you had mentioned this iceberg of API strategy. Um, really interesting blog post that you did, kind of trying to break down this, you know, kind of what faces, what's external to the world and what sort of internal concerns. And much in the same way that, like, you know, I know, like at, at PayPal as an example, like we had, you know, maybe 50 different endpoints you could use externally and there was like 5,000 internally, right? You're sort of arguing that along the same lines that there's a whole set of sort of disciplines and sort of governance things you should be doing internally that aren't really visible outside. But I don't know, I'm probably mangling your explanation. So say it better than me. No, I think it's, it's yeah, the, the iceberg is like there's a lot of hidden stuff behind this scene, right? Like the tip of the iceberg is business transformation. That's the ultimate goal of an API strategy to get into a new market, to get into new business models. Um, and uh, having that digital transformation uh, strategy kind of and, and API management underneath that surface, there's a lot, you know, the, it's, it's one of the most direct precursors to uh, the digital transformation. You, you got to get better at managing the, all those assets and, and, and uh, discovering them and documenting them and securing them and, and making sense out of them and, and then being able to access them uh, rapidly and, and put things together in a, in a, in a high-velocity fashion, connecting the provider and the consumer together in, in a way that makes sense to them. So in order to be able to orchestrate all that be, underneath the water, there is all those different disciplines uh, as, as elements or part of that uh, hidden work that need to be orchestrated. Uh, and I think. You know, one of the things that we have learned over the years is that you get out of API strategy as much as you put into it, right? So many API programs could be saying, you know, if, if you look at the, the, the order of the element in the iceberg, the, at the very bottom, there is security and compliance. Some program is just all about that, right? It's about security and compliance. That's a good place to start always, you know, there's, uh, you have to start somewhere. So. If the focus is security and compliance, you're going to get security and compliance, but you have not reached yet the, the digital transformation because that's you, you put in, you get out what you put in, right? And then there is the, the, right on top of it, there is the application architecture piece. That's what we were talking about, about, you know, modernization of the stack, right-sizing the module, you know, uh, eliminating some of dependencies within the, the boundaries of a team and all that, right? Within the application architecture discipline. Then you go a little bit higher, and if, if you, you start to invest in the lifecycle management and the reuse and the version strategy and making sense, you're having that catalog and the taxonomy of APIs, then now you're getting more and more out of that strategy once, you know. And then there is the, the ability to, and, and there's a lot of going on with discovering the past two years about the developer uh, enablements. So it's, it's a learning organization, teaching organization. To, to be able to have like an inner open source collaborative model uh, for developers to contribute and to be able to set the standard in a collaborative way, not an ivory tower way. So that's where we, we call it the center for enablement, not uh, center of excellence, for example. That's one of the enablement versus ivory towerish kind of uh, of excellence, kind of center of excellence thing. And then on top of that, once you know we, we we tackle that enablement of the developers and the teaching organization or the learning organization, that machine that spread and and keep evolving all the standard from the community patterns, solution driven patterns, and all that, you start to get into the product centric. 
and that's a, a whole uh, set of environment in, in the organizations. If every team is a product team, now the API strategy can really align with the business, can really align with those product capabilities that's already out of the box. It makes it much easier. Now, as I put all the behind the scene, like the security, the, the modernization of the technology stack, the the taxonomy and the lifecycle management and the teaching of all, you know, all that. Now I start to get more benefits as much as I put into it with the product centricity, right? Of 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 that. And now we can align easily with the business that way. And now you get to the tip of the iceberg, which is, you know, being able to have that digital transformation based on all those different disciplines orchestrated and working together in one uh, one vision to for that digital transformation. Beautifully put. We've heard all that sort of stuff before, but uh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe all the layers of the lasagna in one shot and made sense. So nice job. <laughs> yeah, you, you touched on some of this, like, you know, the, the shift away from center of excellence and kind of this more federated style governance, all that sort of stuff. Um, loved your recent post on fallacies of API governance. I feel like this is where you kind of went down that rabbit hole a bit. And, and I love the connection to sort of, you know, distributed computing and kind of what we and the SOA era and all these things that we should have learned. But, you, you know, it's like you look around and sometimes question if anybody learned anything or maybe we just forgot. But yeah, I, I guess I'm curious, you know, like, are there uh, sort of high points in that post that you feel like we kind of haven't covered here? Or did we just do it? Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, uh, uh, we talked about the product centricity, right? And then that that's kind of like the environment to set teams for success. You know, two years ago, start, we we started that journey within Discover to move from project to product, and and now we're doing the, the from product to platform. Now the API strategy is kind of getting into that, and I think some of the the eight fallacies that we, we've talked about, I think we are at that mass critical mass. Uh, moment in the industry where you know there's there's we're still the old mindset trying to be a applied uh, while we we have all those thousands and explosion of the number of APIs and we don't know what to do with them and, and we keep trying with the same way as in the past. And I think there are two main, you know, learning lessons here. One is the open, we learn a lot from the open source community and how governance is happening in the open source community and how there's a maintainer and there's open for collaboration and, and that kind of a mutual win-win. Running the engineering practice as an inner open source kind of collaborative model, right? Uh, may the the best standard win, kind of thing, right? Um, and 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 having the 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 openness to have anybody in the community to uh, suggest or question the, the standard and and have the uh, built-in mechanism for teaching the standard and getting feedback. And, and having those, so as part of our Center for Enablement, uh, as a community, we have many of the working groups. One of the working groups just focus on standards, open for the communities, chaired by Enterprise Architecture and, and, and many of the, uh, the, the people who are accountable for the standards. They are maintaining those standards, but they are doing it in a fashion that it's, it's, uh, it's open, collaborative with Every uh, one in, in the engineering community to participate, and and that's very helpful because it's when people are are, are listened to, we we evolve much faster, and we 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 shift like before we we publish that standard, we know the community already have a commitment to it, right? And we can shorten that cycle of adoption 
that way. And then it's an open invitation, transparent. We have our repo, Git repo for all the minutes meetings and all that, and anybody can join and all. So so all, all that is done in the, in the open, right? And then the other aspect is uh, is to move from being like the, the, the ivory tower to a teaching uh, organization, a learning organization. So anybody in the community as well can teach a pattern, a solution. They can share uh, their solution they're putting together. And that can be promoted to become an enterprise standard. Right? There's a mechanism to do that. So the openness and the, 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 the learning organization, that's where it gets the, the academy. Uh, discover technology. I can uh, internally and externally. We have uh, discover technology experience, technologies.discover.com. We we publish many of those, uh, share some of those um, patterns and solutions out to the outside world as well. So it it, it does have uh, those two two aspects. Out of those policies, if you want to flip those policies on their head, now you gotta have that machine learning machine. Uh, going coaches, uh, advocacy, and and all that as part of the governance. You see that as part of the governance is not really separate from that. And then uh, you've got the openness, the open model. Uh, so the API governance, if you think about it now, with all those additions, it becomes more of an attestation body than an enforcement body. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if I think about like the the hitness ratio on a cache, right? Uh, within our our processes for approval, the hitness uh, ratio would be very high, right? Because all, all the solutions would be based on a solution pattern, based on a, something that everybody committed to. Uh, is already built in automation in there. The community already built something there for you know to abide. With, you know, so we can see all those just pathing through, as opposed to handing out exceptions all the time and being the enforcement gate late in the game and being. Uh, a surprise for everybody like oh i didn't know i need to do that you know so that teaching organization is extremely important as well as the openness and and being able to to govern through with that open model yeah beautifully put um you know i've seen it myself and we've heard it a bunch from practitioners here that like the technology part of these transformations isn't the hard part it's the cultural change and i feel like that's part of what you were just enumerating you know there's like I'm, I'm terrible about having like a one-liner to try to capture an idea and then I'll just beat that one-liner to death for years. So, I think like you touched on a bunch of things that I've said a bunch of times is like one, um, you know, you can't have transformation without APIs. End of story. Right? Like this, that's the core thing, right? Because that's how you manifest this sort of reusable capability mindset. And then you can't do that sort of transformative momentum with APIs if you're not breaking down silos. And that's kind of what you describe as this inner source thing, right? I find like that's one of the parts that uh, that companies get hung up on the worst is just this entrenched dogma of like, I have my thing and I protect it and then I have the contract to integrate and no one else can touch it. But to your point, if it's open enough and it's design and everybody's working along the same lines, then why wouldn't you take contributions from another team that you have some agreement with, right? right? Like. And, and just getting those habits changed is so hard. Right. And and having the, you know, so there's two things here. One is on on, on, on the code itself, you're you're adding features on the cycles of other, you know, you're not using your resources, you're using other resources. That's that's a win-win, right? It's it's you're maintaining your your product 
on somebody else's dime if you if you're like other people yeah, money but, right you know but humans value a sense of control right <laughs> yeah so that's that's your point it's a culture change to start to think oh no i'm winning here and it's not really i'm losing anything mm -hmm. it's it's, a, it's, the, it's the total opposite of that and then the beauty of what uh, we have done in discover i think in the past two years is that applying this openness uh, and, and open source to managing standards and managing other you know just yeah. not code but content and standards of best practices and all that right so there's a, a guild uh, we have something you know for for all those types of standards that people can contribute and there's the maintainer uh, of that and we built a whole within the academy a whole cycle life cycle of those content and of those patterns and can be reviewed and updated and all that. So it is it is uh, fascinating and how many lessons we could learn from the open source communities and yeah and how that could be applied to multiple layers. For sure. Um, well, and considering the failure rate of these things uh, over the last five ten years, right? Most like the vast majority of transformation attempts fail. Uh, so I feel like these are the things that we we beat the drum a little bit here on the podcast. I think on these exact points all the time from practitioners, but it's because it. It's like problematic so often. <laughs> like, uh, so great advice. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there's some listeners here. Uh, let's say, you know, smaller company just getting the ball rolling and all this and imagining a future where, you know, they're in an organization as big as Discover. But, you know, you rattle off a long list of stuff you got to do. Uh, so I guess I'm curious for, you know, folks who are looking to just get started or maybe they're even in a larger, older company that hasn't, you know, started modernizing yet. When you look back on this past few years, where do you think you would start to have the biggest impact and kind of get that momentum swinging the best? Yeah, that's that's a good question because every every it's a little bit tricky because every company is as unique and there's certain constraint that you have to, to to work within first, and that's our experience in Discover too. You know, when we started, like start with security, for example, and and that was I think a good call to to start there because that gave us the inventory. Of, of API when it's when we have a mandate to every API has to be secured. It's easy to get that sponsorship from security from mm -hmm. executives. Like it's very easy to 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 sell that, right? It's, uh, nobody will it's easy to justify API security these days when you dig into breaches, right? Right. So that's that's where we could start, and that will help the inventory because now, if if you have to secure it, you have to register it. You have to, you know. So there's now an, a whole inventory of what you have. That's Without that, you, you can't even do anything, right? Like the beginning of, yeah. of wisdom, I call it, right? Uh, beginning of wisdom <laughs> is to be able to, uh, I would call it like, uh, call things by its name. But if you don't have it, you don't have it, you can't even call it by, by its name, right? So the inventory yeah. is, is where I would start and security can give me that inventory. And then... Yeah, that's an interesting approach. I mean, I definitely have, you know, sort of seen and heard that before that like, you know, step one is like build the catalog. That's another kind of, uh, you know, uh, analog or same kind of intent with the word uh, catalog inventory is like, at least know what you have. And these days, everyone's got microservice sprawl problems. So it's often the good place to start. But I love this idea of justifying and building it through a security lens. That's fascinating. Yeah, that, that's our experience and, and how we started. And, and we ended up with almost, I would say, virtually 100% coverage in all our APIs, business APIs. Because there's a whole, whole <laughs> slew of infrastructure APIs that we, we, we're not managing now. But but it's more of the business APIs are, because they had to be secured, you know, we have that catalog. 
with virtually 100% coverage. And then we, we, we do have the, um, after that, I think if the, the organization is already product centric, that makes life easier. It's much easier to align with, uh, so you don't have to define those boundaries yourself as a technology. And that's one of the uh, pitfalls too. It tried to, technology tried to uh, define the bonded context or, or what, what yeah, should Yeah, you be. end up with an engineered experience, don't you? Right. <laughs> uh, it's, like it's all about the tools and the technology, but there's very hard to find business value later on, right? So... Yeah, you mentioned like sort of grammar, vocabulary kind of stuff before, which we've heard before. And uh, I think that's the side of the house that tends to do better at defining those things versus a bunch of engineers who name things in acronyms and system names. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we talked about this, yeah, like maybe last year when we when we met. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that's another thing on being really uh, product centric uh, and having a well understood boundaries by the business and the technology kind of, the, the infrastructure would reflect those boundaries that well understood by the business and put the our APIs there. I think that's that would be a good next step to set set up team for success. Yeah, it's not a popular term anymore, but in some ways you're just describing the old inverse Conway maneuver, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's all interwoven. Intentionally flip the organization on its head and design it as you want it to be in the future and then fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. So cool George. Well I really appreciate you sharing all, you know, kind of some of these insights. Um we already kind of called out, and I'll just double down. Check out the Discovery Technology. Uh, sorry, Discover Technology Academy for Engineers. You must get the Discover Discovery thing a lot. Uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's okay. We get Spotlight at Stoplight all the time. <laughs> um, any other kind of parting words of wisdom or, or folks that you think folks should look at for kind of resources to back this up? I think it's yeah. Technologies.discover.com will have lots of uh, those insights with. Uh, Great uh, colleagues uh, of mine at Discover, they're all publishing there, uh, sharing that experience and contributing to the open source, the openness model that we are promoting in Discover and outside. Uh, that would be great. And uh, that was, was really fun uh, talking with you today, Jason. Yeah, definitely. It's always uh, always a treat to get to talk with folks running kind of the program and governance stuff. It's, uh, you know, it's a free pass for me to talk shop and not have to work. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you. API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details.